I think probably the pole dancing pole's my favourite bit of your renovation. It is? Welcome to Lights <laughs> in the Sky podcast episode something. <laughs> what are we up to? We didn't check. I didn't check. I'm rusty. <laughs> um, episode 88. You think? Does that sound right? 88. <laughs> 88. 83. That's what I said. <laughs> Welcome to... Lights in the Sky. You're distracted by the bloody pole. (laughs) Yeah. Welcome to Lights in the Sky podcast, episode 83. Casual chat about uncasual things. I'm Luke. And uh, Tone is here for the new year. Mm Mm-hmm. First one of this year. This year. Um, Do you want to say what year it is? Because that will date it. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. You probably can't tell from your download um, what year it is. (laughs) But it's uh, some date in the past. Yeah. Some date in the past. But it's the new past. (laughs) Yeah. It's new to us. Yeah. This is the past. Every every time I'm talking, it's the newest part of this podcast ever. Agreed. But next week it won't be. Um, And did you have a good break over... Christmas 20 something uh, yeah Christmas 20 XX yeah yes I I, I did I uh, as you can see from the studio it's been repainted yeah I like all the egg cartons on you the wall you love the egg cartons I did that especially yeah. for you there's, there's <laughs> one actually uh, is an effigy of you mm. in this corner over here so. ah, I wondered what that was yeah. I couldn't quite tell from the position yeah I tried to capture your likeness <laughs> tried, tried my very best um, but yes we got we got the oh no hey, we're back to the same old kitty getting on the recording equipment yeah so the new thing is that when i was painting i had the clothes errors up around the doors mm-hmm. that prevented the cat from coming into the room but what the cat did is because the ironing ball was outside the room to enable constant ironing potential because ironing is something i i i, I do value mm-hmm. the cat would sit on the ironing board and stare into the room so now the cat's <laughs> developed a liking of sitting on the ironing board so okay well there, it's sitting right there next to us. It's I was going to say, we were here first, yeah. both today and uh, throughout history. Hi, Louis. <laughs> You're our guest. <laughs> so, yes, you can see the uh, the studio has been repainted. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Full renovation. Full renovation. The, yeah. well, well, nearly. I think we're about, we're about 80% there because the carpet needs to be done next. And mm-hmm. then, uh, yeah, then I think I might throw the old carpet on the walls as well. Okay. Bit of soundproofing. So. Baffling, yeah. Yeah. Um, how, about, how about yourself? A little bit of renovation as well. Oh. Lots of outdoor, lots of indoor. Um, Man's, uh, manscaping? Nope. Landscaping. Oh, landscaping. Sorry. Um, and yeah, getting my office turned into a baby's room. Orifice or office? Office. Office. Nice. Um, so yeah, that's happening. So what, when is the, uh, the child, it's child ETA, the about latest ETA? Two months from now. Two months from now. Yeah. And so, if anyone knows the age of my daughter, they'll be able to figure out what date we're recording. Yeah. So that they'll be able to figure out what year it is. Okay. So maybe someone X, 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 X will be born on the something of something, 2000 and XX. Yeah. Very good. What Should, more do you need to know? What hospital are you going to go for? Um, the hospital. <laughs> is there a, what, what, what hospital? Like the Christchurch Hospital. Christchurch Women's? Yes. Huh? Very good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got it. You, you're giving birth to a girl, so well, you aren't, but <laughs> <laughs> no appropriate. Go to a woman's hospital. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I'll do that. 
If, it was, if you're giving birth to a boy, you probably can't go there. No, no, I assume there's a men's hospital. What about Arnold Schwarzenegger when he was <laughs> throwback to last year? When he was giving birth, he probably couldn't have gone to Christchurch Women's Hospital, could he? No, that's right. I would have kicked him out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, when he was giving birth to Danny DeVito. Wait, that, and that's not twins? Right. <laughs> and twins. Yeah. And then that's when his baby started school and he went and was a teacher, but a cop. Yes, and then he has bought a Christmas present yeah. that he argued with Tim Allen about. No, in the movie Bad Santa, <laughs> is that no? That's not right. That was close. Moving on, moving um, on. Um, yeah, so lots of getting baby room ready and all that sort of stuff. So we've got, so got, got a baby kind of boring we got, thing. We've got a baby shower next next week, haven't we? Mm-hmm. Uh, got an invite. Well, got we a, don't. I I've do. I've got a ticket. Yeah, I've got to tell you, I'm actually double booked for that day. The hottest ticket in town. It is actually. I'm double booked. Oh, yeah. We'll still be attending, but yeah. uh, on the way we have to we have to uh, call in to mm-hmm. your satellite settlement mm-hmm. and uh, then continue southbound for a birthday party oh. for. Uh, um, yeah, I don't think our listeners care. No, <laughs> but anyway, anyway, that's anything, what we're doing. Uh, that's what anything we're doing. paranormal happened to you over the break? I think this is abnormal. So no, this happened today. Okay, okay, <laughs> okay. It took that long. This, for yeah, it did. Podcast it did. worthy. So I was driving to work about well, allegedly, yeah, podcast, allegedly worthy. podcast worthy. But about seven thirty this morning, I was driving to work, and I was driving through the. <laughs> Hagley Park, which is our like central park for Christchurch, yeah, there's a road it's through a lot. It. There's a yeah. leap, but yeah. there's a leap. It's yeah. a leap, and um, this car alongside me, um, see, sort of zooms along and was driving way too fast in the park. And I thought, that's a dick move. Mm-hmm. We're driving in the park. <laughs> there's a road through the park. Yeah, but um, zoomed past, weaved in front of me, pissed me off because they cut me off. I'm like. Ugh. Was Something this, tells me this doesn't have to do with anything paranormal. It was this BMW, and it had the stupid in the top left-hand corner of the rear windshield, this little mountain logo thing. Yeah. And then on the bottom right-hand bumper, there was some tape, like it had fallen off a little bit. I thought, I thought, and I thought to myself when I stopped the lights, I thought, if I, I'd dig it out. And punch oh, no. this person. Oh, God. Like, this would be something... Oh, maybe not punch, because I'm not, not very good at violence. But let me get and say, look, I think you're a very inconsiderate driver. Mm. Very least. Yeah. So they zoomed off and lost them in traffic as they were weaving, waving. You didn't do weaving. that, right? You were no, saying, that was, that what was if I had? that was my fantasy. Yeah. yeah. Um, so about two o'clock this afternoon, I stopped at... Um, I drove down to Countdown, mm-hmm. which is a local supermarket chain mm-hmm. near my work. Yeah. And I oh. pulled into a car park. Yeah. I was trying to find a park. I was like, oh, actually, I'll go this way, around this around this island of traffic, and z- turned in. And as I pulled into the park, I, I got out of the car. I thought, wait a minute. And I was parked next to this exact BMW that had done the swervy maneuvers from earlier in the day. I thought, wait. I saw the wee mountain thing. I'm like, no, this isn't right. And I walked back. And there was a tape on the bottom right-hand side. Like, Brilliant. It's like, of all the billion cars in all of our city... Oh, it's probably a billion cars. I may have exaggerated there. But um, I parked next to this weavy Emma Effa from <laughs> earlier in the day. So, yeah. Of all the countdowns in all the land, and he had to walk so into I used, yours. So I, I gave the car a slap with my reusable shopping bag when I had a few cans in it on the way back in. And, uh, yeah. 
I was like, there Urina- you go. Urinated on the windshield and yeah. you went. <laughs> Defecated on the bonnet, yeah. <laughs> and we were away. But okay. how weird is that? It was that same car. So this is an interesting one because um, that would be traffic infringements or traffic, you know, dickheadery is mm-hmm. a prime candidate for our often well-loved segment Punch, Hunch and Brunch. Correct. However, on this occasion, if you had punched that person... My hunch is that you wouldn't have then seen them later that day yeah. and couldn't have smashed your um, <laughs> junk up against their anything. Their trunk. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so w- would it be wise to punch Hunch and Brunch? You know, maybe it was a better outcome that I'm you actually quite didn't. glad I held off because mm. I had a bit of sweet revenge when they weren't around. But it was like quite weird that that happened after uh, all today. I and mean, it really irked me this morning. And uh, to see, see the seeing the same vehicle late in the day to be parked right next to them at some random supermarket was very odd. Mm. So there you go. That's my uh, if we, if we were to abnormal s- moment. if we were to say it was a punch hunch and brunch, who would you have for brunch? I'm thinking um, who was who did well on the New Year's honors in this country? Yeah, oh, I don't care. I don't know. Maybe some of the New Year's honors. It'd be some hockey player or something. Yeah. Yeah, and I'd be like, how did you get this and I didn't? <laughs> yeah. What have you done special? Yeah, yeah. I might go for New Year's honours. Do you think you'll ever be you could ever be New Zealand representative at something? It just it's occurred to me of late that I don't think I'm gonna grow up to I don't think I'm gonna be an all black. Yeah. And, um, well, most all blacks are retired by the time I hit our age. Just, <laughs> yeah, and that's exactly. the most depressing thing. Yeah, when you get to that age where the sports stars you used to look up to are, are now younger than you. Yeah. Yeah, like, like but you're like 21. <laughs> like, I'd, I was still like <laughs> driving a forklift <laughs> part time or something. Still, I'm still very envious you ought to drive a forklift. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to drive a forklift yeah. one day. But um, uh, where was I going with that? Uh, you're talking about the um new year's honors list no <laughs> not going to ever be an all black no, do you think you'll ever be a new zealand yeah, representative yeah, 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 of that's anything? Right, that's right. i'm thinking um that stop if you if you put your like let's say right now we were like tony cat's oh, gone yeah tony's gonna set his sights on being new zealand representative at whatever he likes do you think that you could still do it no you could choose whatever you like. Do you think we, if we made the conscious decision, you're going to become New Zealand representative I, I think, at come, something? I've come to the realization that I'm not good at anything. <laughs> <laughs> like okay. quite legitimately, so I'm you, not good at anything. Yeah, you really meant no then. Yeah, you're not like no because the bar's too high on all the things. It's, and I can't think of so anything. So can I? Are you saying that I can, I can have whatever I want? Like I could be good at something, or I have no. to use my existing abilities to. We just made the decision today that um, you're going to be New Zealand representative on the world stage at something. So with all my existing skills and talents. Yeah. And well, what we'd have to do is... As, as, as minuscule as they may be. Yeah. But, like, it could be um, lawn bowls. And it could take I you 30 tried. years to get there. But we're not right now saying you've got all the dedication in the world. So, so I have, you I have, could. The problem with sport with me is I have no coordination. So because I fail at coordination, sport's out. Okay, so what else is there? Um, like, pop, I'm like thinking there's there's, there's, acad- there's academic stuff. Yeah, yeah. But I'm not that smart. <laughs> <laughs> you got all the answers, yeah. or none of the answers. Like, literally, the only thing I might be good at is telling UFO stories. Okay. Do you think you'd be best in New Zealand at it? No. 
Mm-hmm. To be honest, though, I actually don't think I'm that bad at it. I could probably be in the top 2,000 or 5,000 in New Zealand. I'd probably need to proof your stuff. Okay. Maybe in the top 5,000 <laughs> I could be in. 5,000? <laughs> yeah. There's so many. There's 4,999 people in New Zealand better at telling UFO-specific stories. <laughs> probably are. <laughs> Um, what okay. about yourself? What would you do? I don't know. I reckon there'd be something I could pick that I could just drop everything, dedicate my life to, and make it. But I don't know what that might be. No. I feel like it would be sports related, but it would be skill based, like something like darts, rather than rather than something where you know it takes physical prowess. Mm. It's more of a skill thing. Um, yeah, I'm thinking maybe like things like like look around this room, all this painting. Like I did this one myself. So, did you use masking when you cut I it? I did. I did. Ah, uh, see, I didn't have to. So you're behind <laughs> me on that one. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't even claim the painting. Mm. Yep, not DIY. What? I am feeling much better about DIY. I actually really enjoy it now that I've got my own place. Yeah, me too. But I don't. I'm still. None of this feels paranormal. No. So maybe we should get back to it. Should we? Yeah. Should we, yeah. Um, so. <laughs> it was abnormal. We got the abnormal parking thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's abnormal. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <that's> abnormal. <laughs> okay. Moving on. Yeah. Moving on. Um, so one of the things that um, popped up in, uh, in, well, in the last few days, really, it was um, the History Channel has made a tv series called project blue book and i know you i know you like books i know you like blue things so and i know you're (laughs) very project based so yeah this this seems right up your alley i've got got to ask you a question so you've obviously seen the show i've seen episode one you have yeah did um did you expect that type of show from the history channel or did you think it was going to be more doco style than dramatization what did you what did you think um no the history channel's done stuff like that it's i think it's more they um almost like they use similar production teams to someone like like the i think they did rome right okay. which was similar in a similar vein to like spartacus and things okay um so no i'm i'm one of the things i am good at and I'll be oh, up here we there. Go. So this is your world champion thing now. <laughs> New Zealand champion. Thing. New Zealand yeah. champion. I reckon with if I dedicated my life to it and there was a competition for it, I'd be pretty good at figuring out the way networks do it. Like what network made what show, what behaviours are they, what are they investing right. in, that kind of stuff. Fingering what, sorry? What? You're good at fingering who? What, sorry? Figuring oh, out. <laughs> figuring out. Figuring out. Sorry. <laughs> that was a mistake. Because um, one of the things when someone tells me about a TV series, my immediate question is, who made that? Yourself. Yeah. What? Who made that? Who made like, that? What network? Yeah. Who did that? Exactly. Sci-fi. Who, who did that? A&E. Yep. History Channel. <laughs> yep. HBO. Yeah. That yeah. kind of stuff. You, you're good at naming things. And so good. I'm not one of those people that are um, confused by, why can't I watch, you know, Band of Brothers on lightbox oh, it's like oh because you don't have soho and that's hbo and yep. soho's got the thing to that but yeah you were a big banner brothers fan i remember this yeah okay well this is an example okay. it's not pigeonhole <laughs> um David oh, although the guy from project blue book the the military man with the blonde hair mm-hmm. dave davidson dave davidson <laughs> he's um he's from band of brothers oh. he played uh buck compton very good See, I knew you loved that show. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's that then. Um, yeah, so 
uh where was i going with that it's history this, channel history has channel, come up yeah. with like a it's a it's a drama series right it it's not um a documentary or you know there's no interviews on it it's just like you would expect from a tv drama yes um based on project blue book i think this is where the, the key bit here is that when i was watching it and i probably need to just chill defudge down next time i watch this is not get so hung up on the detail yeah and i should just enjoy it for what it is actually some prime time entertainment about ufos yeah so that was the thing for me is um the the notion of the history channel mm. having their name to it yeah. i was a little bit surprised to see that they had gone off off script a little bit because the history channel kind of suggests accuracy yes um but no the the i think they um bow down to the entertainment trump card as well right because if i was in like if, like think back to when we were in history class in secondary school and we would if we submitted a an essay based around a, a i guess a historical event with a lot of this interpretation of our own mm. on the side probably wouldn't have passed yeah yeah you know you know which uh which essay i um i completed the morning it was due and still got a b what's that the one about band of brothers <laughs> because the, the task was to I'm pick a you only got a b <laughs> it was it was all from my head yeah. and I, even with quotes i was able to quote things um and uh handwritten because there was no <laughs> like printers weren't that prominent and because i yeah. it was i got to school and realized it was due that day like i hadn't started it and so and so literally just <laughs> went to the library and um, you literally created a, a piece of literally literally literacy? literature literature um damn, damn stumbled over that one didn't i uh but just to bring people more into this um what's project blue book okay okay let's 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 go back let's go back in time to the uh post-world war ii era mm-hmm and uh, have we reflection? So, Project 1947. Project Blue Book is actually the third in a series of uh, of related projects, similar to Green Book and Yellow Book. Yes, uh, and I actually I couldn't find where these names came from. That's actually something we'd like to find out. If someone knows why it's Blue Book, then please, please tell us. Um, please tweet Dad in. But um, <laughs> <laughs> Project Blue Book. Uh, originated in project sign so project uh sign was active for most of 1948 and um after project sign it uh led to project grudge so people sort of are saying in history that project sign they came up with a uh sort of their own kind of ideas around ufos and a lot of those led on to what became so these were project government projects, right? Branch. Yep. By the Air Force to investigate unexplained aerial phenomena? That, that is correct. Okay. So we have Project Sign as the, um, as, as the very first project. So what's the difference, though? Like, what's different about Sign versus Blue Book? Is it just it just predated it? So it says, um, so Project Science final report published in early 1949 stated that while some UFOs appeared to re- represent actual aircraft, there was not enough data to determine their origin. So following, up in, following Project Sign, we had Project Grudge. Yeah. So Project Grudge succeeded Project Sign in April 1949 and was then followed by Project Blue Book. So Project Grudge formally ended in december 1949 but continued in a minimal capacity 
until late 1951. Okay. So we getting these dates right? I think so. Close enough. So there was a um, a few challenges on the way. So there was there was something called the estimate of the situation. So the estimate of the situation. Was the guy a, off Jersey Shore. <laughs> yeah, low estimates. Mm. Was a document supposedly written. So yeah, in 1948 by the personnel of the United States Air Force Project Sign. So, uh, so essentially what they said is they explained their reasons for concluding that the extraterrestrial hypothesis was the best explanation for unidentified flying objects. So you effectively have project sign, yep. and they produce the estimate of the situation who say, we believe that what it is is it's uh, extraterrestrial unidentified flying objects. Okay. Air Force don't like it, shut it down, yep. create project grudge. Okay. And, so uh, they were, it was almost like they just tried a bunch of projects to get the answer they wanted. Correct. Which is an unscientific way of so going about it. Project Grudge released a report in August 1949 that was 600 pages long, and I will read all 600 pages right now. Get comfortable. <sighs> so said, there is no evidence that objects reported upon are the result of an advanced scientific foreign development, and therefore they constitute no direct threat to the national security. In view of this, it is recommended that the investigation and study of reports of unidentified flying objects be reduced in scope. Uh-huh. So um, what the said is that all evidence and analysis indicate that reports of unidentified flying objects are the result of misinterpretation of various conventional objects, a mild form of mass hysteria and war nerves. That, yep. was, that was big, post-World War II, but big. Yep. Individuals who fabricate such reports, they're hoaxes. And uh, psycho- psychopathical? Psycho- <laughs> it's too many P S Y C H letters. You're meant to be number one in the country no, for reading 5, this stuff. <laughs> Psych- <laughs> Psych- psychopathical, Psych- psychopathological, psychopathological. I can't, I can't speak. Okay, can moving you, on. Can you can you say number? Can you say number four? Can you read that word? That's uh... number four. Psychopathological person. Thank you. That's what I wanted to say. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This is wine number 5,000. <laughs> Does that mean less than that? <laughs> uh, so not long ago after they uh, issued the grudge report, it was reported that they would, uh, they're going to res- dissolve the, uh, the project. So despite this, grudge was not quite finished. A few personnel were still assigned to the project and they aided the authors of a few more debunking mass media articles. Mm-hmm. So after grudge came Blue Book. And uh, Blue Book started in 1952. Okay, so that's inaccurate. If the TV series, I think it was 47? Uh, 48. Okay. 48. So, mm-hmm. the, yeah, all right. So now maybe I've just climbed the rankings up a little bit <laughs> from you. Uh, and as a um and, and we're talking about the um the three projects as we hit blue book so 52 to 1949 sorry 1969 was pro- uh, was project blue book yep and um overall from 1947 to 1969 so including sign grudge and blue book there were a total of 12,618 sightings and of these, 701 remained unidentified. Mm. So that's Blue Book. Okay. And probably the next book is Dr. J. Allen Hynek. Yes. So um, this was 
um, the guy that you fanboy about. Yes, an American astronomer, professor, and ufologist. Yep. So uh, he's Hunnick acted as scientific advisor to UFO studies undertaken by the U.S. Air Force under three consecutive projects, Project Sign, Project Grudge, and Project Blue Book. Mm-hmm. So that he was the guy who came up with the um, very, uh, Close very, Encounters scale. That's right, yes. He didn't, it wasn't part of the movie? No. No, he did not star? Movie. Did not star. Oh, Close the Encounters Close Encounters the, movie, yeah. No, did not star. He was not the star of Close Encounters of the Third Kind, but it says here that uh, he um, he was a consultant. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so very good, isn't it? Is he still alive? No. <laughs> he was born so. in 1910. Oh, jeez. <laughs> he died in 1986. So we both inherited the planet at the same time. We breathed the same air as Hynek. Mm. Maybe. Well. You never know. Yeah. Okay. Um, so what else do we need to know about Hynek? Um, okay. He was an astrophysics, so astrophysician, astrophysicist, <laughs> astrophysicist, <laughs> and so he he wanted to attack these cases with a scientific method. So yeah, and I think this is probably where um, where the, the the question comes around the the TV show. So um, in, in in the show that we watched in the episode last night, the um, that we watched. Last yeah. night doesn't really matter. I don't want to say that. In the episode that we watched last night, <laughs> last night, <laughs> or any night, or any night, we um, we're presented with the opening, which is a a group of men. Um, well, not the exact opening. The opening is obviously the uh, the, the the main event. But um, one of the first scenes that of of note, other than the the UFO sighting, is a group of men sitting around a uh, a table. Oh yeah, this is kind of like the um, Doctor Strangelove style war room almost. Yes. Um, yeah. So they're um, they're sitting around and they're watching uh, the day the Earth, the original the day the Earth still, not the Keanu yeah. Reeves version. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't actually seen that one. No, have I? Yeah. I kind of had that look about it that it was going to be rubbish, so yeah. I didn't bother. Maybe I should. Yeah. So the um, the commentary on this is that 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 group of people sitting around that room are. Uh, what was become what what became later known uh, through, I guess a, a, a believe release of documents is Majestic Twelve MJ Twelve. Mm. So in the eighties, I believe it was eighty four. Yeah, there were um, documents released that indicated that those that there was a secretive organization called MJ Twelve Majestic Twelve okay. that was set up by President Harry Truman who uh, were kind of the guardians of the UFO secret. Okay. Or the alien hypothesis. So this is different to Walt Disney's Nine Old Men? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there could be some some comparisons. I mean, you're only only three short. Yeah, okay. Carry on. So there's that there's that commentary that that's what they are and that um, the reason this is that these these people are meeting is that they're trying to keep a lid on the fact that there is this extraterrestrial or some other type. Yeah. I mean, there's no comment that is extraterrestrial. There is something. I mean, having narrowed up to page three seventy six in the book of uh, Secret Machines. 2. Oh, Secret Machines Volume Two. I finished um, that one about a week ago. <laughs> I'm I'm having more and more thoughts around how much this is extraterrestrial, how much this is actually uh, human science developing mm-hmm. this. But just uh, yeah, Secret Machines. Secret machines, yeah. But um, whoever the who, you know, whatever it is, this group MJ12 are trying to keep a lid on um, 
on this particular this, secret yeah the sightings yeah. whether they be technology or alien yes. yes and there's almost this part where they're favoring the extraterrestrial hypothesis because it's almost hey it's dis- disinformation and that's something that comes through strongly in secret machines too mm-hmm. around disinformation yeah that's right so the um the the way that the way the story is told in um it, well, when you watch the tv show is that that um they're they recruit in Heineck to investigate this 1948 incident which is um the uh, gorman dog, dog fight yeah and it, was, it was referred to something else in the actual tv show wasn't it um i'm not sure i'm terrible with details <laughs> uh, but it's a fighter pilot um flying over um was it uh, uh fargo oh yeah okay uh Ohio, Ohio State is where the, the guy teaches. Yeah, but, yeah, Fargo, North Dakota. Yeah, so um, encounters a light in the sky. Um, uh, the thing moves in ways that the uh, plane can't keep up with. It engages yep. in um, combat and ends up stalling and crashing, essentially trying to keep up with its maneuvers. Um, but some of the damage doesn't line up with... Um, with uh, you know land-based uh, weaponry so uh the fuller dog fight is the uh is that the first episode oh yeah that'll be it yeah so that's one one distinction that the history channel was making as they they make it slight like rename everything so that it's inspired by but they don't have to stick to accuracy so that they can over dramatize it yeah well this is this interesting about this because the next two episodes apparently are the flatwoods monster which oh, yes. we covered in uh our second episode and yep. it's the second episode of the show so interesting oh my god shot out <laughs> isn't that spooky mm-hmm. uh and the lubbock lights which we haven't covered but we've covered it in strange it's come up in strange okay yeah the lubbock lights you mean give me some strange yeah <laughs> the final segment of the show where we take the 1982 reader's digest version of mysteries of the unexplained um, flip to a random section, turn all over the page. <laughs> We're not doing it now. <laughs> I was just explaining what I it know, is. It's been a while since you've Using the you, opener. Yeah, I want to get into that. <laughs> so, um, the first thing that stands out to me about this is that, yeah, again, so this isn't about accuracy. This is about keeping um, a good story going, right? So, mm. project the show is called Project Blue Book. Yeah. Yet, the first case that was investigated was technically part of Project Sign. Okay. I'm fine with that. Um, and that's fine. It's all good. That's all good. Um, yeah. There's a couple other things. So where there is a... Um, where the, the pilot hears a, uh, a certain uh, a song played on his um, headset broadcast from his hometown over over, over Fargo when it's happening. Yeah. That, that, that's creative license. Uh-huh. That didn't actually happen. Okay. And um, where the aircraft was actually struck and impacted by the supposed uh ufo yeah didn't happen either okay okay so it's important at this point to encourage people to still watch the show it's still a good show (laughs) so don't 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 think it's not a good show but but if you want facts come here yeah this is what we're doing we want to double we just want to fact check and i think this is we don't want to kill the fun out of this because it was a great show we don't want to suck the life out of it no that's exactly right but there's just there was, a, there was just out of interest is, is purely someone who's interested in the subject. I wanted to see how how aligned to the truth of the narrative this um, 
episode was mm. and if it wasn't who cares because this is still amazing yeah and um the next episode the flatwoods monster something okay so i know a bit more from the start will be interesting to see what i they don't know do. anything about it i don't think you didn't even listen to that no. their own show yeah, no, you didn't listen to what i was talking about it <laughs> um that might be quite good for listeners to go back and listen to episode two to hear our version of, um, <laughs> of events before you watch episode two of Project Blue Book. That's right. And then uh, then you'll know what's going on. Um, so the other thing was I wanted to maybe touch on more of the, well, the reports of what actually happened during that incident. Yeah. Shall sounds, I dive in there? That sounds really good. Let's do that. Um, so like you say, it happened over... Um, uh fargo north dakota in 1948 october 1st um and enjoy and involved george gorman a pilot with the north dakota air national guard um he was 25 when it occurred a veteran fighter pilot of the second world war after the war he met, became manager of a construction company good good for him diversifying his career hmm. um he was participating in a cross-country flight with other national guard pilots he was 20 he was flying a p-51 mustang was that what they were using that's right yep. yep his flight arrived over fargo at approximately 8 30 p.m although other pilots decided to land at fargo's hector airport because of the clear cloudless conditions gorman decided to get in some night flying time and stayed aloft around 9 p.m he flew over a football stadium where a high school football game was being held he noticed a small Piper Cub plane flying some 500 feet below him. Otherwise, the skies appeared clear. Uh, shortly after he noticed the Piper Cub, Gorman saw another object to his west. When he looked for the outline of a wing or fuselage, he could see none. This contrasted with the Piper Cub, whose outline was clearly visible. The object appeared to be a blinking light. At 9.07pm, Gorman contacted the control tower at Fargo's Hector Airport and asked if they had any air traffic in the area other than his P-51 and the Piper Cub. The tower answered that it did not, and it contacted the Piper Cub pilot, Dr. A. Cannon. Cannon and his passenger answered that they could also see the lighted object yeah. so to this, the west. so this wasn't covered in the episode. There was no, chorus, uh, there was no other witnesses at mm-hmm. the time that were covered. Uh, Gorman told the tower that he was going to pursue the object to determine its identity. He moved his Mustang to full power, but soon realized that the object was going too fast for him to catch it in a straight run. Instead, he tried cutting off the object uh, with turns. He made a right turn and approached the object head-on at 5,000 feet. He op- the object flew over his plane at a distance of about 500 feet. Gorman described the object as a simple ball of light, about eight, about 6 to 8 inches in diameter. So I'm not sure with that, because that's obviously whether he can... It means that from his position he could see the light was that wide, or whether he thinks the the, the object was that wide, because obviously 6 to 8 inches is... It's tiny. Well, it's, it's not respectable. A, not a craft. It's respectable. <coughs> no, it's nowhere. <coughs> it's not even worth mentioning. Um, he also noted later that when the okay, object... Man, it's feel insignificant. <laughs> He also noted um, later that when the object increased its speed, it stopped blinking and grew brighter. After his near collision, Gorman lost sight of the object. When he saw it again, it appeared to have made a 180-degree turn and was coming at him again. The object then made a sudden vertical climb. Gorman followed the object in his own steep climb. At 14,000 feet, his P-51 stalled. The object was still 2,000 feet above him. Gorman made two further attempts to get closer to the object with no success. It seemed to make another head-on pass, but broke off before coming close to his fighter. 
By this point, the object had moved over the Fargo airport, and the control tower, the air, air traffic controller, L.D. Jensen, viewed the object through binoculars, but could see no form or shape around the light. He was joined by Dr. Cannon and his passenger from the Piper Cub as they had landed and walked to the control tower to get a better view of the object. Gorman continued to follow the object until it was approximately 25 miles southwest of Fargo. At 14,000 feet, he observed the light. At 11,000 feet, he then dived on on the object at full power. I think it was dove. It says dived. That's why I paused. Yeah, it's probably right. <laughs> However, the because object... I couldn't even pronounce that psychological, pathical word. <laughs> why should I be the authority on this? However, the object made a vertical climb. Gorman tried to pursue, but watched as the object passed out of visual range. At this point, he broke off the chase. It was 9.27, and he flew back to Fargo's Hector Airport. Um, so that's quite different to what actually happened in the show, where he actually engaged it and um, fired upon it and things like that. Yeah, there's no San Diego radio station playing yeah. at, the, at the time. But, exactly. um, yeah, I mean, you still get a good <clears throat> idea of what... Um, that it was, it was a spooky event mm. and um, something worthy of investigation. So... I, um, based on the, that article that you're reading, what were the conclusions that um, Project Sign drew? Were they aligned to what was hap- what happened in the TV show? Was it quite accurate? Just before I um, get into that, there's a quote from Gorman himself. Okay. I'm convinced that there was a definite thought behind its manoeuvres. I'm further convinced that the object, object was governed by the laws of inertia because its acceleration was rapid but not immediate. And although it was able to turn fairly tight at considerable speed, it still followed a natural curve. When I attempted to turn with the object, I blacked out temporarily due to excessive speed. I'm in fairly good physical condition, and I do not believe there are many, if any, pilots who could withstand the turn and speed affected by the object. In fact, I'm the best in New Zealand. <laughs> not <The> many, <laughs> if any. <laughs> How many pilots you know got the skills to go in and, <laughs> and chase a UFO like this? A largely inside joke. Yep. The object was not, <laughs> not able to outturn and outspeed my aircraft, but was able to attain a far steeper climb and was able to maintain a constant rate of climb far in excess of my craft. Um, so, so in the, in the show, they portray the pilot as someone... Uh, suffering from like PTSD, shell shock, that sort of that sort of thing. It clearly, it seems from that that he probably he probably wasn't. That might have been a bit of a dramatization as well. Yeah, and they um, they alluded to the fact that he wasn't even controlling his own vehicle yeah. at, in the show. But um, I don't know. You, Are we just spoiling like this thing? Or? I don't know. I think it's just it's probably just we're, we're comparisons. <laughs> okay. A bit of a comparison here. Within a few hours, military officers from Project Sign arrived to question Gorman and the other witnesses. Project Sign had been created by the U.S. Air Force in 1947, as Tone said. I think I said 1948, so... <laughs> oh, yeah, that was the one you corrected me on. And uh, that, that was what bumped you up the ranks. Um, the Al, I'm, I'm reading Wikipedia, so <laughs> what do you expect? The officers checked the P-51 Mustang with a Geiger counter for radiation. Oh, no, Wikipedia does say Project Sign 1947 to 1949, Project Grudge 1949 to 1952, and Project Blue Book 1952 to 1969, so I take it all back. They found that his Mustang was measurably more radioactive than other fighters, which had not flown for several days. This was taken as evidence that Gorman had flown close to an atomic-powered object. I wonder if that relates more to the times of um, assuming atomic or whether they can get a certain signature on it that 
actually means it's atomic well, energy. Well, I think I think the next part here it relates to even commercial aviation um, today, and was like a big factor when we flew not when, not we not like you and I, but when the Concorde was in operation as a supersonic airline flying at high speed at high altitude that you're very exposed to radiation when uh-huh. you get up there uh, above the troposphere uh, yeah when you when you fly high mm. uh, you're exposed to more radiation mm-hmm. so that was I guess that, that that was one comment made about the fact that hey maybe his aircraft was just flying high uh, as it had and the the radiation measured on his aircraft versus other aircraft which hadn't flown uh, routinely or that high was high because simply it was atmospheric radiation. But mm-hmm. that's what the Air Force said. Um, so, um, yeah, I don't need to read that because that <laughs> is exactly what it is. Um, in addition, the Air Weather Service revealed that on October 1, it had released a lighted weather balloon from Fargo at 8.50. By 9 p.m., the balloon would have been in the area where Gorman and the Piper Cub passengers first saw the lighted object. Project Science investigators all also believed that the incredible movements of the object were due to Gorman's own manoeuvres as he chased the light. The object manoeuvres were an illusion brought by, brought about by the movement of Gorman's fighter. The investigators also believed that as the weather balloon passed out of sight, Gorman had come to believe that the planet Jupiter was the UFO, and therefore Gorman had been chasing the planet as he flew south of Fargo before giving up and returning to land. By early 1949, the Gorman case was labelled by Project Sign and its, and its successors, Grudge and Blue Book, as being caused by a lighted weather balloon. Yeah, so there's a, there's a bit of um, I think think there's sort of some of the ufologists who looked into this are split. They think that some think no, this is ridiculous, doesn't make any sense. Others are thinking, well, yeah, of all the crazy UFO U- UFO explanations given by the Air Force, that kind of makes a bit mm-hmm. you know this, this actually makes more sense than swamp gas quoting <laughs> Heineck yeah yeah who was the author of swamp gas there was one other thing that kind of didn't quite um, line up for me and the show it seems like Heineck is a believer from the outset and trying to debunk the air forces theories of it was a weather balloon yes um, whereas I get the feeling, and it might be anecdotal, that hearing stories about Heineck is that he was a scientist and a skeptic turned believer based on what he saw, um, which also, which always kind of sounds like the more interesting one to me, that he wanted to explain something but yeah, couldn't. Yeah, and I, I think this this comment here sort of works quite well. That uh, for the first few years of his UFO studies, Heine, Heineck, Heine, 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 <laughs> Heine, Heineck could safely be described as a debunker. He thought that a great many UFOs could be explained uh, by some other misidentified phenomena. And then obviously he changed his opinion by the end of the investigation, Mm. uh, by the end of his uh, um, time in Project Blue Book and its predecessors. He was a firm believer. He he, he changed tune. And yeah, that that comment was, um, was, was made that for the TV series... The, the characters are almost reversed. Yeah. The, um, that Quinn, who's supposed to be the um, hardline Air Force man, the character, he's, uh, the person he's, I think he's based upon, yeah. was actually probably more likely the believer and Heineck more the skeptic. And for the TV show, it's, it's spun, that, yeah, spun yeah. that right around. Yeah. He's definitely come in with the attitude of like, there's something more going on here. And the Air Force guy disagreeing and saying, don't worry about it. Everything's a weather balloon. That's, that's exactly right. Mm. And I think the... the um, yeah so yeah very very interesting like i think there's, there's a couple of comments here that um 
So in real life circumstances, um, it had been sort of the opposite between Hynek and, um, in this case, Quinn, who's playing the um, the Air Force officer. And Hynek had actually been the more sceptical party, and um, he had been uh, more inclined to believe in sort of a, uh, a rational explanation than the extraterrestrial hypothesis. Uh, so a famous point, obviously, the swamp gas, as, mm. I, as I just said. And um, over time, though, Hynek became more likely to believe the more unconventional explanation. Mm-hmm. And um, so key key case was uh, the Lonnie Zamora case, Socorro, New Mexico. We mm-hmm. have covered that um, yep. a wee while ago, but uh, happened in was 1964. Was that the one where... Um, Police officer? Yeah, and you it saw had an egg shaped Is it the one that had markings on it? Yes, yeah. and, there were, and you saw two humanoid figures Grander outside style the craft. legs? <laughs> yeah, yep, that's right. Yeah. So th- apparently that was a bit of a, do- a turning point case for his attitude in UFOs where you have a credible witness, some trace evidence, and um, thinking maybe this isn't just mass hysteria when you've got this sort of witness. So Yeah. Yeah, that's um, interesting. Yeah, so th- we'll sort of see more develop the series. The other, the other sort of key thing notice was MIB, MIB, the things you think you saw you did not see. <laughs> and this yeah. is con- entirely fictionalized. Yeah. And so there's MIB making appearance in uh, Project Blue Book. So you can see why series. this isn't Tommy Lee Jones, Will Smith. Will Smith. Wise cracking, yeah, no wise cracking. Gotta get me one of these. I think they call. I think the producers of the show were calling him the uh, the characters like um, the unseen. And mm. there's a couple of there's a first scene where you this this character appears up as a, as a silhouette after the plane crash, and a second part where he appears in this creepy amusement park, mm. which apparently was found in um, around Vancouver, mm. the cove. <laughs> the cover okay the cover which is amazing um i mean what they did i mean that was a really spooky set to, yeah. to use well a spooky environment to set it in so where heinick has a bit of a fender bender bit mm-hmm. of vehicle trouble mm-hmm. and uh follows this mysterious man into this disused spooky amusement park and in that amusement park there's images flashing up on the screen lots of lights like in the sky-esque line. things yes so the triangle symbols on the that's right um on the screen so and we could probably sue here <laughs> and the number station playing number station exactly yeah. and heineck you've seen a later scene where heineck has written down the numbers that were were um being projected um or, 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 or spoken mm. in the number station whatever you say what's the what's the right word for that broadcast, uh, broadcast. transmitted thank you thank you spoken and has a uh, create an illustration of the images that he saw which mm. again looked like a logo yeah <laughs> um, um so this is all taking a bit of um creative license in it, but but it is but, so cool having something like it. this on tv yeah but it is and it's exactly it's so cool having this so i don't want anyone to think that i'm against what they've done i think it's fantastic and what they have done is they've combined um sort of certain elements of other cases to bring it together so it's probably educating more people about the phenomenon mm. even though chronologically it may didn't happen all at the same time mm-hmm. these are all elements of the, the ufo phenomenon that they've brought into the show um for entertainment but um yeah i'm looking forward to flatwoods monster episode two yeah next week project blue book is good watch it yeah it's so the over yeah I hope, hopefully we didn't just turn people off for an hour and then or half an hour and then <laughs> and now they don't want to get to it but yeah it's worth a lot it's fantastic yeah and it's it's really great to see something like this on 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 tv for the first time um 
done well. Yeah, done well because so much nonsense gets portrayed. And um, although they are taking some liberties, a lot of those liberties are based on actual cases, but wrapped into, you know, condensed into one episode rather than trying to spread out a, uh, you know, 50, 60 years of modern UFO history. Mm-hmm. Couldn't possibly happen. So um, Stars? Marks out of five? Stars out of five? I'm going to give it a four. I'm going to give it a seven. <laughs> okay, you got six. To- I'm going to give it a six. A six I'll take you- your remaining star. So the average is a five. Okay. <laughs> done, <laughs> done very well. Yeah, five Even stars. Five stars. Uh, very, very good. So um, I'm not sure what form this will take. This we review. We've got, I think we've got 10 episodes um, to do. So we're, we've done one. There's another nine to come. Oh, yeah, in is that? Season one. I, okay. think, I think it was 10 episodes. So cool. Yeah, it's probably worth um, because we'll be able to watch these. Um, we can where we can. We can maybe uh, give our own insight um, next week with Flatwoods. Will be interesting given we've already covered that case. So yeah, I'll, I'll, what I'll do for next week's episode is I'll just put the same episode up. I'll put episode yeah. two up, and that'll be that'll cover <laughs> we it. We could do a ten second introduction saying that <laughs> yeah. uh, some people think it's more relevant. Yeah, so, there you yeah, go. There we go. We, we repeat there. Cool. Anything else to add to Project Blue Book? I think I'm looking forward to to, to more. The it's it's good to see Heineck on on, on the telly. Mm. It'd be interesting to see how they portray um, more of sort of his investigation into this phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Um, where they split from, I guess, the truth in a way to um, how they want to sort of take some creative license will be interesting as well. Because I think um, although it's although although I want them to stick to the facts, this is actually delivering more punch to people who don't know about the phenomenon it's a great way to educate people about, yeah for sure um, about more of the ufo phenomenon so we can maybe sort of from our from our position where we can condense what was what really happened what maybe didn't happen but also share for those that are interested where those where that creative license was taken and where the roots of the origin of that creative license may have come from so mm. i think again a lot of it is actually rooted in fact yeah or ufo law yeah for sure um, and also important to note that don't worry, this isn't going to just dominate our episodes if you're not into it. No, <laughs> we'll have a little section on each one. I'd, I'd say, um, yeah. just because it's it's actually quite cool. So yeah, and this is probably I mean, again we've delved a bit deeper into it because hey, this is the first episode and we wanted to talk about it. And one of the first things I wanted to know about once I had um, watched the episode is what was actually fact and what was embellished for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and I think the um, the producers of the show have said, hey, we just we want to make a good TV show. Yeah. But um, yeah, I'm just interested to see what they what they did and what what choices they made. But it was highly entertaining. Really enjoyed it. And really well done as well. None of the cheesy stuff that you might expect from um, if you know some sort of a B grade network got hold of this. You know, it could quite easily turn into you know some low budget X Files show. Yeah, well, I think that was the comment it was made. This is sort of Mad Men uh, meets X Files. Yeah, and I think they did that very well. If that's yeah. what they were aiming for. They did that very well. Mm. Mad Men's AMC. Not sure who X-Files did. That was before my time. Uh, AMC is actually really good at creating original content. They, are. they tend to hire writers and then let them write rather yeah. than water down and mass market. Right. So they did Big Mad dog. Men. I think it was uh, Walking Dead was them as well. Yes, that's that was right. massive. Yeah. So, yeah. They got pedigree at AMC. Yeah. Actually have some uh, confidence and trust in those that they're employing to do those jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, all right then let's move into the final segment of the show nice. this is the segment where we take the 1982 reader's digest version of mysteries of the unexplained uh who's gonna do it whose turn is it who wants to kick off i the can't year? remember but um we can do alphabetical order if you like so you can go first <laughs> um 
A for Anthony. (laughs) (laughs) We'll go last names. I'll flick to a random page. Tony will tell me when to stop. And hey, you just give away that my last name is not a Z. Yeah. (laughs) This is what you can deduce from that. So our last names are one letter apart. (laughs) Yeah. And not a Z. Yeah. Um, I'll flick to a random page. You tell me when to stop. I'll read one of the random stories on the pages we land on. This is the segment we call Get Me Some Strange. Tunes. Tunes on. Tunes. All right. You're flicking away. Stop. It's an early stop. Early stop. Want to get uh, get get deep in the back pages. Oh, this is good. Deep this down is, in the bowels. It's uh, amazing how often oh, the. Is there a green flag there? It's amazing how often the segment we randomly flick to. The Gorman dogfight was a <laughs> UFO encounter in 1948 of a Fargo. Atmospheric and astronomical oddities lights seen during the Aizu Peninsula earthquake in Japan November 26 1930 resulted in more than 1500 reports at one place on the east side of Tokyo Bay the light resembled auroral streamers diverging from a point on the horizon others described the lights as that of fireballs when the earthquake was at its height a straight row of round masses of light appeared in the southwest Earthquake lights have been linked with escaping gas, large-scale frictional events, lightning, and auroras. General agreement on their reality has come only recently, in 1982, (laughs) but no mechanism proposed so far can account for all forms of the lights. I've got to say that uh, that was was something that was reported during our series of earthquakes. Um, Lights in our skies? Yeah, and you did say escaping gas, so shame on you. And bringing toilet humour into this. We're we're on that level. Yeah. One more? Yeah, why One not? One more to see us out. Why not? The SS Nova Scotia. Scotia. It's the reason I wanted to go on, because I wanted to say Nova, Nova Scotia. Scotia. Was crossing the North Atlantic on May 24th, 1931. At 1.35am Greenwich time, it was observed that sea and sky were suddenly quite brilliantly lit for about three seconds with a flickering purplish light which did not appear to emanate from any particular point. The only clouds were scattered altostratus, not lightning clouds, and not dense enough to diffuse the glare of a bright meteor. Meteor? Meteor? Hmm. Anything else to add? I think we're good. Um, yeah, so I think um, next time we can cover off a, uh, a, a wee chat about future... future um, Project Blue Book shows. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe not next week. Yeah, but, but um, in future shows, we as can, we get to them, we can condense them because we don't want to be talking about this too much. But mm-hmm. um, it's, it's, we're we're enjoying this. Yeah. Um, your your summer project, which was getting through Secret Machines Volume Two. Yeah, you've done that. I've done that. Um, we could work on some sort of a review for that. I was too. thinking that too. It'd be quite good to have we um, chat about maybe both books and do a wee special mm. at some point. We just got to wait for you to catch up to me. Yeah, actually, I've spent the uh, last last night. I sat outside in the, in the warm summer air mm-hmm. and read the book for a couple of hours, and then nice. read for an hour or so before bed. So, I'm I'm nearly. I think I'm. I think I was three seventy six. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I've done pretty well. <laughs> recent days but as you can see from the the paint job and all the egg cartons that uh yeah there was a uh, uh, other stuff that occupied my oh you're saying i season. did nothing else i get it <laughs> yeah i get it i actually i actually worked hard mm. yeah no i hear that um i stained my deck yeah so to speak yeah, exactly. um on that note you just we'll sat alone <laughs> and fingered your way through a book so uh, no my trick was i bought it on kindle as well 
so if ever i was waiting somewhere with my phone i could watch some i could read some then yeah well this is where i said like about about having audible but it, it would be cheating so, yeah that would be cheating so i'm not i'm just actually reading the book which um, is great i'm enjoying it i'm hoping and then to more this weekend every morning when i woke up i'd read a chapter and every night when i go to bed i'd read a chapter every morning and it when didn't you take wake up you read a chapter hey i'm just giving you pointers because you obviously haven't got there yet so on that note we'll call that another episode of lights in the sky podcast join us next week happy 2000 and xx toodaloo <laughs>